one of the first things I, that opened my eyes as to, you know, oh my God, no wonder I'm having so many issues, um, is project-based cash flow. So I analyzed all my projects for a year and figured out I was going 60, 90, 120 days between deposit and final payment. It, no one can live like that. Hey, welcome to the Double Your Freelancing Podcast, where our goal is to help you get better clients, make more money, and live a happier and healthier life freelancing. And now, the founder of DoubleYourFreelancing.com, Brennan Dunn. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Double Your Freelancing Podcast. It's going to take me a while to remember that you might hear me in the future occasionally revert back to the business of freelancing out of habit. But anyway, I've got a I've got about 20 minutes. I need to run to the airport to catch a flight to Philadelphia. I'm speaking at the Bacon Biz Conference that my friends Amy Hoy and Alex Hillman run. But before I do that, I wanted to uh, quickly catch you up on a few things. So last episode, we talked about the Academy. Well, I soft launched it on the Academy. Yesterday, I sent an email to my list that wasn't explicitly about the academy, but it was about just building a sales funnel. So if you actually, if you go to Double Your Freelancing, uh, click on topics and uh, go down to probably the most recent article, um, might be, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, listening to this episode at least. But uh, if you if you look at it, it's the ultimate guide to building a sales funnel. And what I did in that post was to just go in depth into everything start to finish on building your own audience, building your own network, building your own client base, rather than depending on websites like Upwork or um, freelancer.com or people per hour or any of these different marketplaces that I think are just, they tend to be a very big race to the bottom. It should be no surprise that I'm not a big fan of that. Anyway, if you go go to the website, go to doublefreelancing.com, check it out. Uh, I think you'll like it. But what I wanted to mention about the Academy was I haven't even really officially launched the Academy yet, and we've already got, we're almost filled up in terms of the first uh, cohort. So in August, we're going to be bringing in 30 students. We're om- we almost have that. So I'm really happy about that. It's definitely resonating with people. I really do think, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I think, uh, I think there's just a lot of information out there. I help produce it. This podcast is an example of that information. I just, I'm convinced that having somebody, having a consultant, I mean, that's really what it is. If you really think about it, this this academy that I'm creating is a, is a giant productized consulting project of mine. We're helping people individually with their unique problems. I mean, that's what consulting is. That's what freelancing is. So go check it out if you haven't looked at it yet. It's at doublefreelancing.com slash academy. But this morning's interview is with Diana Huff. Uh, Diana is the author of Cashflow for Freelancers. As you can probably expect, we talked about cash flow. We talked about variable income because let's face it, as freelancers, unless all of your money comes via subscription, you know, you know revenue through retainers, let's say, you're probably going to have some form of variable income, whereas your expenses tend to be fixed. You tend to have a fixed rent payment, mortgage, car, tuition, whatever it might be. And Diana and I sat down to talk about what can freelancers pragmatically do to iron out issues with cash flow? I want to take a moment to tell you about something really awesome that we've been working at uh, on here at Double Your Freelancing, and that is the Freelance Business Bundle. So 
head on over when you get a chance to freelancebusinessbundle.com. You know, there are a lot of awesome courses out there, books, software products, and so on for consultants, for freelancers that'll help you grow your business. And over the last month, what we've done is we've reached out to a lot of them and we've asked them to create a little bundle. So we've got everything from, like I mentioned, courses, software, books, and so on that are specifically tailored and and created for people like us, freelancers. And what we've done is we've negotiated a deal with them. We're using this tool called Bump Sale. And what that does is every time somebody buys this bundle, the price goes up by a dollar. So it starts at a dollar and every purchase goes up by another dollar. We've packaged over $2,500 in awesome books, courses, software, and products into the freelance business bundle. So it's an absolute steal for any freelancer or consultant who's looking to invest more in your business. Our thanks. I just want to thank everyone who participated in the bundle. I'm not going to tell you what's inside. I'm going to make you go to the site to see what's in it. But uh, head on over to FreelanceBusinessBundle.com. Again, it's FreelanceBusinessBundle.com. All right. So here's my interview with Diana. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to Diana Huff. Diana is the president of Huff Industrial Marketing, which helps industrial manufacturers basically grow and succeed. But why we wanted to bring her on was she just released a new book on cash flow and uh, specifically cash flow for freelancers, which is, I know, very appropriate for all of us listening. And Diana and I are going to be talking about how to basically how to manage cash flow when you have variable income, because I know a lot of us come from having a full-time salaried job where we get paid like clockwork and it's easy to budget against and everything else. But once you've got clients and the income might may or may not be variable, um, it kind of throws a wrench into things. So uh, before we jump into all of that, Diana, could you just give us an overview of kind of who you are, where you come from and what, what led you really to write the book? Oh, well, well, first off, thank you very much for having me. Um, so I, um, I'm a marketing consultant. I started my business in 1998 as DH Communications. I started as a freelance B2B copywriter um, because I wanted to stay home with my son. He was 12 months at the time, 12 months old. I had worked corporate, and um, my business has evolved over the years due to the Internet and mobile, and you know I just kept taking on more and more things. And then last year, I made a huge transition, which actually – Um, took about two years, but um, the manifestation of it was last December uh, 2014. I changed my whole entire focus. So now I'm Huff Industrial Marketing. Um, This, the book Cash Flow or the guide, the um, Cash Flow for Freelancers, it came about um, because one, like all freelancers or many freelancers, I have struggled and struggled and struggled with cash flow. Uh, and then I uh, got divorced in 2010. Um, I, you know, became a sole breadwinner for myself and my son, and uh, had to pay mortgage and you know do all that stuff, fencing lessons, and um, I could not figure out why, um, even though I was making what I thought was a very good income, uh, why I was constantly struggling, um, why I never seemed to have any cash, why I always had these financial crises. And why I was continually adding to my debt. So you, and, you wanted to stop running around like a headless chicken, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just could not figure it out. And I was reading, I have read 
every single personal finance book under the sun um, because I thought for a very long time that because I was a woman and because I was a writer, uh, I was not a math person. I wasn't good with numbers. Um, so therefore, I needed somebody to tell me how to manage my finances. So I was following all these financial advice books and nothing seemed to work. And it was the most incredibly frustrating thing. And I just kept thinking I was the stupid one. So why, did, why didn't they work? Let's, let's dive into that just, for a second. Uh, because, well, as I say in cash flow for freelancers, what finally dawned on me was that um, all that financial advice is geared toward people. It was, it was developed decades ago, decades, and it was geared toward people who worked 20 to 30 years at one company and retired with a pension. So very stable, very um, steady income. And if you know you're going to make X amount of dollars every week or every month or every year, it's very easy to follow advice like save 10% of your income. Um, well, I mean, know, it makes sense, right? Like, because we yeah. live in a world of fixed expenses, you know, your mortgage doesn't vary every month. Your, right. your, I mean, maybe your grocery bill does, but you know, for the most part, a lot of the big expenses are fixed. And usually all these budgeting apps I've ever used have always had like, you know, type in your monthly income here and then type in your, you know, fill out your monthly expenses here. And that's how you come up with a budget. But I, I mean, one, I, I'm, I can't wait to hear more about kind of what you ended up doing about that, because one of the things that uh, really just frustrated the heck out of me was just realizing that, you know, it's like, well, I can give you like an average, but it doesn't really it doesn't really work that way. Right. Right. Well, then that was the thing. So as I kept reading these books, I kept thinking, well, none of them cover the fact that I have a business. So they, what some of these um, gurus tell you, these personal finance people, so you say you have, you want to bring in more income. Well, they assume that you have a full-time job. And if you want to, if you need to pay down debt or you need to pay college tuition or whatever, they tell you to go make your hobby into a money-making business, right? On the side. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, my business is not a hobby. It's my business. And, you know, and I couldn't, figure out how to account for it. And so that's, that's what led me to figuring this stuff all out on my own. And so basically, you have to, um, the first thing I, um, one of the first exercises I have people do is figure out their own personal break even. And what break even is, is your business expenses, and your personal expenses combined, right. because so that's no luxury, anything just basically breaking even and paying the bills. Well, knowing what your break even is, I don't think a lot of, I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. I sort of had a vague idea. But is that, um, I'm just a, so we're all talking the same language. When you mean break even, is that these are mandatory expenses, not thing uh, like you're not going to group into that going to the movies or anything like that. It's just correct. It's break even is, um, so of course all your business expenses. Um, and then on the personal side, the stuff you actually have to pay for every month. So groceries, you know, utilities, um, it, it could be if your children are in activities, those things have to be paid for it, whatever goes into running your household, whether you're married, single, whatever, what you need to bring in each month to pay those expenses. And, and I, and in the guide, I, and I work, I walk people through this step. It, it doesn't include your retirement savings. It doesn't include, you know, saving for the new roof on your house. This is stuff, this is stuff you have to pay for to live. Right. Right. So, okay. So basically what you want to figure out, it sounds like is what's your, what that break even basically, how much do you need to bring in each month 
just to get by. Yes. And what do you do? I mean, is that, I mean, how does that play into things, I guess, is what I'm asking. Well, because um, you, if you don't know how much you need to bring in, then you don't know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Each, mm-hmm. You don't know what, so you don't know where you stand financially. So if you don't, if you've brought in, say, your break-even, say your break-even is um, $10,000 a month. Um, and if you don't know what that break-even is and you've only brought in $6,500 that month, how do you know what more you need to do to reach your break-even? Right, right. The budgeting thing that that really clicked with me, and, and I love your thoughts on this, was one of my friends is Jesse Meacham, who runs You Need a Budget. Yes, and I have that in the guide. Okay, cool. Yeah, I and, love You Need a Budget. Right. Well, his whole thing is basically... Budget off of last month, right? Like, right. you know, don't don't live on this month's income. You live off last month's, which is kind of good for us because if we're dealing with like, let's say, net thirty payment terms, or clients are, you know, we're we're invoicing now but getting paid in, in a month from now, it's a little more easy when you're only living this month off of last month, right? Right. But even you need a budget. I as much as I love it, I love it, and I highly recommend it. Even it still doesn't. You still have to modify how it works with the freelancer variable income uh-huh. because yeah. you know people clients pay when they pay. Um, you can have three clients all pay you late, and so you're sitting there going whoa. So <laughs> and you also have to set up two different budgets. So I love. I highly recommend that everybody use it. But also, you you do have to sort of modify it for the variable income. Right, right, right. If you think big picture, right, like a lot of us, and I've talked a lot about ways of getting paid up front and everything, which tends to help with cash flow issues. But for those who are doing kind of the traditional, you invoice your clients, they have 30 days to pay and everything else. And, you know, sometimes if they're mailing checks, it might come in late or something like that. The biggest problem that I've seen and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is that a lot of us just don't have, I mean, we're basically, you know, you hear about how many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, you, but a lot of freelancers are living invoice to invoice, where, you know, they're they're running in these crunch situations, and that ends up allowing them to make even concessions about taking jobs they probably shouldn't take. Or one thing that I've, I've realized in consulting is you don't, you never want to appear desperate. And, you know, if you end up and you're running on fumes and, you're dealing with a client who is, you know, waving a maybe a nice deposit check in front of your face. Um, you you you, t- you sometimes when you're kind of acting out of the fact that you're you've got no you know very little in savings if anything and you know and so on. We can talk about budgeting. We can talk about cash flow and everything else. But I think there's probably a bigger picture thing, like a bigger problem at at, at play. Right? Yes. Well, that's so. One of the things that I talk about. Um, is so you need to know three numbers for your business. So one, you need to know your break even. How much do you need to bring in so you can manage your personal and business expenses? So that's each month. Then um, you should have a sales goal. So your sales goal should be, for each month should be a little bit more than your break even. You also need um, uh, an income, a cash income goal because cash is not the same as accounts receivable. So cash can come in from all sorts of different places. If you're, you know, um, your services, if you're selling products, um, whatever it is that you do to bring in cash, cash is, you know, that it's cash. We like cash. Um, so you need to have a cash income goal, which should also be a little bit more than your break even. So you're constantly striving to make more than break even. 
And then on top of that, um, and to go back to the you need a budget, you know, they do talk about building or living on your last month's income. But on top of that, for um, for freelancers, in, in your break even, you really need to budget in. You have to save for a cash cushion. And it's not a savings account. It's not, oh, um, you know, we're going to go out to dinner this month or I need new tires or whatever it is. That cash cushion is for when you have low months because no matter what kind of business you are, you're always, you're, you're, you know, income goes up and down for businesses. And for freelancers, we don't have equity lines of credit. We don't have, um, you know, we don't have the access to credit and money the way bigger companies do. We're financing ourselves. So you have to finance your own line of credit and that's your cash cushion. So that's what I talk about is um, you have to save up for that and it, it can take a little while, uh, but you need it. You have to have it for when you hit those low months so that you're not being desperate and you can ride out the up, the up and down of your variable income. So getting that cash cushion, is that just earmarking a percentage of all revenue for, for yes. that? or? Yeah. So what I, so if you know what your break even is and if you're keeping track of your cash income and, uh, so say your break even again, I, I like to use round numbers cause they're easy. So say your break even is 10,000 and say on a, you had a really good month and you brought in $15,000. Well, most of us want to spend that, right? Woo. <laughs> so instead, you know, you say, okay, well, I already 10,000 off the top. That's my break even. That's already gone, accounted for. I have 5,000 left. So what am I going to do with that? So you could put 33% or 40%, whatever percentage you wanted, you could put that toward your cash cushion and then use, you know, maybe another percentage for long-term goals. Say you need a new website in six months or you want to do that in six months, whatever, or you want to take a trip or whatever. And then you, and then use the rest to spend as you wish. Now I have, I know some people and I do this personally myself too, who, you know, especially kind of important, I think, especially if you have like an S corporation uh, uh, in the U S at least, where they pay themselves a salary and, you know, even though they might be making, uh, let's say, that you know, 10000 this month, 20000 next month, 5000 this month, they pay themselves maybe a fixed 8000 a month or something regardless. And, you know, then at the end of the year, they look at and, and maybe they take like a, you know, distribution or something based off of, um, you know, whatever's maybe left. Like, is that something that you've recommended too? Because I think a lot of new freelancers, it's really hard, especially when you get big fat checks in the mail and, and you're used to when you get paid, like when I used to get paid as an employee, anything that was paid to me had already been taxed. You know, maybe the medical stuff is, already, you know, if, if I'm paying for health insurance has already been taken out. What's left is mine. And I think a lot of us, when we start freelancing, we don't really realize that revenue is not income. Like they're different. Right. Right. Exactly. So that's why it's really important to know what your business and personal expenses are, especially your business, because no one tells you when you go out on your own, you have to pay to run your business and mm -hmm. it, it, it can cost money. Oh, you deal with taxes, quarter, <laughs> quarterly taxes. And then you talk. I mean, and corporate taxes and state taxes. And, you know, right. and, and then I'm an S Corp, too. So one hundred and fifty bucks, the state of New Hampshire to file my annual report and. Yep. I mean, do you think it's it's worthwhile for people to set themselves a salary? And, yes, I uh, do exactly that same okay. thing. And I actually cover that, um, how to pay yourself, pay yourself a set amount. Because when you pay yourself a set amount of money, that's part of your break even. Yeah. And it, I mean, I can, I, can understand, I can understand why people don't like that. It's like, you know, I started a business so I could 
make a lot more money and, and everything else. And it's like, oh, now I'm on a salary, which you know, like I, I, I get the and I face that, too. But I mean, honestly, moving to a salary was when I when I used to think everything that I got in my business account was my personal money. That's when all the tax problems and everything else started to happen. Right. Um, and fixing that was the best thing I did, I think. Uh, yep, I agree. And it, 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 and I like, you know, I like your, um, you know, take a distribution at the end of the year. That's a good way to do it. Um, or you could do it by quarter. quarter yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever makes sense for your particular business. Right. But it's just a matter of having, um, I mean, I assume that that salary would reflect basically your break even plus maybe a little. Um, obviously, you know, it should balance your personal budget, right. your you personal expenses. You should pay yourself enough money to cover your personal expenses each month. Even if you never take a distribution, that should be enough. Right. Is, is what I've been told. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's what I've done. You know, I've looked at what is my kid's uh, school tuition, what's our mortgage, what's our car loan, and all of that along with, you know, what do we usually spend grocery wise and even things like going out to eat and everything else. And that that's reflected in kind of what I pay myself. Um, you also get into a fun thing. And again, I, I know neither of us are, uh, are accountants or lawyers, but um, where the, at least in the US, the IRS kind of expects your salary to be, um, you know, somewhat proportionate in a way to what yes. you're paying yourself in distributions. Yep. Which they don't really have clear guidelines for that, but apparently there is a, it's kind of like use your best judgment. <laughs> well, and the other thing too, that you're um, sort of touching on, or you, you've alluded to it. Um, I've seen a lot of freelancers who um, just put all their money into one account mm-hmm. and you know, their personal account, oh, you know, not, yeah, they don't have a business account. And that's, that's, a huge, yeah, that's huge a no, no mistake. Right. I mean, just from a, just from an accounting perspective, it's a nightmare, but on top of that liability, I mean, you should like, I mean, one of the things that, again, not to, not to be here teaching you how to milk the system or whatever, but learning how to, you know, you, when you buy a new computer, you, your business buys it, which is different than when you buy your groceries, which is a personal buy and and learning kind of the difference between all of that, like, you know, and, and really getting good at that. And I mean, that's why I have business. I have a business credit card. I have personal credit cards. I have a right. business bank account. I have personal bank accounts. Well, plus you, you begin treating your business like a business. Exactly. Cause yeah. again, if, it, if it's all, if you look at this as, well, I just got 20,000 in the mail. This is all Brendan's new money. That's problematic. And that's the root of a lot of problems. Right. Exactly. So like start to finish strategy wise. So you mentioned, um, you know, in your guide, you cover paying yourself a salary, which, you know, I fully approve of just because I've done otherwise and it sucks. Um, (laughs) You know, really figuring out your baseline to live. You know, what is it that you need? Um, And what are some of the other things that you you cover in the guide that you think would be helpful for people to uh, to know about? Uh, well, another exercise that people go through is analyzing their cash flow. So for freelancers, um, I really focus uh, on the project-based cash flow. Cash flow. So I, I heard in your one of your other podcasts, you, um, someone either it was you or the person you were interviewing, saying uh, they worked on retainer income, and that's that can help steady out your cash flow. But um, you know, a lot of and I personally, I like working project by project, and that makes it for a very um, a, Cons- uh, the cash flow is quite variable because you know uh, projects can go 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and so if you get a deposit up front, it's quite a while before you get that 
um, final payment. And so I, one of the first things I, that opened my eyes as to, you know, oh my God, no wonder I'm having so many issues, um, is project-based cash flow. So uh, I realized, I analyzed all my projects for a year and figured out I was going 60, 90, 120 days between deposit and final payment. No one can live like that. So that that's what started me down the road. And so um, ever since then, I have just been uh, creating a new way of doing my business so that I'm, I'm slowly reducing that time between deposit and payment. So, okay. So you're, 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 uh, you're not doing net 30, net 60, whatever. You're, you're basically having more payments that are smaller, I presume. Well, no, I still do the 50% up front, but I worked on becoming much more efficient. I changed, uh, uh, so I do, I work on a lot of websites. So I was, um, uh, doing final invoice when the, when the, uh, website was done, but my part of the website, actually, I do a lot of the, I do all the content. So I'm, and I kept looking at it and going, well, wait a minute, my part, the book is complete, but they haven't put it up yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. So now the designer's taking it over. Right. So now the designer is doing the designer's work. So I changed my payment terms. So 50% upfront and then 50% when I deliver that final web content. Right. So you don't, you're not worried about how long it takes the designer to do do their job. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So that helped quite a bit. Uh, and then becoming more efficient. So I work faster. So I get it done faster. I've been documenting my processes and, uh, making it. So what, what, where am I, where are things, where are glitches and trying to smooth out the glitches. So I'm much more efficient. So that's where I started. Is your invoicing typically, do you have like net 30 payment terms or what are your no, payment terms? Typically? I do. Um, well, the deposit, I, I well, you're not going to work unless the deposit's there, right? Right. So. And then when I do the last, the second um, invoice, it's net 10. Okay. But uh, see, that's again, this is something I actually cover too. So I, in my previous life, I worked as a, a business manager for a small woman owned manufacturing firm, seven years. And part of what I did, I did all the bookkeeping and I had to invoice the customers and, uh, and, uh, that's when I, that's where I learned how to collect money because this was in the Silicon Valley and all these big, huge companies, you name them, HP, Silicon graphics, you know, Adobe, we were doing work for all of these huge, um, you know, um, military aerospace, NASA, and they wouldn't pay on net 30. So I would have to get on the phone and call people. And so even now in my, and I see it in my own business, it's, it's the same exact thing. I have net 10, you know, people, client companies don't pay it and you have to get on the phone and, you know, hello, when is this scheduled for payment? I mean, I, that's what I do. Do you ever, um, do you ever make that final payment contingent on you? To, like you don't deliver the final bits of copy until. They- no, I mean, I thought about doing that. Um, it, it's, I, sh- mo- I would say, uh, mo- most of my clients pay it as soon as they get the invoice, they pay it. Um, but there are when I, it's when I have to deal with companies, big, big, bigger companies that have accounts payable departments. Yes. That's and the client, the client is not who pays you. Yeah. That's always the, it's always the fun part when, when there's a, when the people paying the bills are not the client necessarily, it's not it's, the business. It's, owner. it's a different department. Yes, yeah. exactly. And right. then, and then you have to learn how to meet, uh, weave your way through accounts payable and how to get paid. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, honestly, one of the things that 
And again, it's it takes some time and it takes a little kind of changing your service offering to do this. But, um, you know, all of the work I've done now is is prepaid. So that way, if the money is not there, we don't get to work. I don't get to work, which um, that's helped a lot, too, because then you don't need to deal with um because you know, if you if you position it like a product that they're buying, well, I don't, I don't go, I don't go get a can of soup at the store and get an invoice for it that I pay later. You know, it's, right? It's, <laughs> and and I think another thing that I think a lot of us don't don't really recognize is that when we have especially lengthy payment terms, we're effectively offering the client a credit line, right? Like, I mean, that's what we're doing. So you're basically giving your clients a ten day credit line, which is you know that's not that's two business two weeks, right? Uh, five business days a week. Um, but, you know, that's not problematic usually. But when we're not on top of collections, when we're not on, on top of really setting the expectation with our clients that, hey, this is, you know, we're both professionals here. This is how this is what I'm doing for you. And this is how I expect to get value from you. And this is, you know, I'm delivering the work on time and everything for you. And I, you know, you expect this from me. And it's it's this mutual acceptance. I think the problem becomes when a lot of us just don't have that kind of confidence and bravado where we make it clear, like, you know, we're a professional and we're not just some like, you know, you know, person working out of our basement or whatever, who doesn't have right. like, we're, we're, we're a business like they are. And right. no, and one of the things that I have found to be very helpful with regard to that is um, written and signed um, hard copy contracts. So all, every project I do is con is, has a contract it, um, the client has to sign it and my terms are stipulated right there. And so that's helped considerably. So to go back to, you know, getting paid on time, um, I, I, the biggest problems are just what you said, when, when it's not the owner of the company paying, it's, it's accounts payable. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So Dana, anyway, I just want to thank you. That was incredibly helpful because I know for, I kind of wish I could go back in time about six, seven years and listen to this, but, um, where can people, I know you just, so you just released this new guide, right? Yep, yesterday. And that's cashflowforfreelancers.com. First off, as somebody who uh, has also created guides and courses, congrats. On sh- is this your first like that you've shipped yourself or? Um, this is the second one. Um, it's um, Even though my name's on it, it it's done um, in partnership with my um, co-producer, Rachel Cunliffe of Creative Design. So she actually designed the whole thing. I wrote it. Okay, well, congrats on shipping regardless. Thank I you. mean, that's always such a... It's always a rush, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was. I couldn't sleep the night before. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I, I would encourage you. I know um, I've, I've just started going through it. I, I don't have a full review yet, but it looks incredible from what I've seen so far. So again, Diana, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll talk soon. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Have a question for today's guest or want to recommend someone who Brennan should interview? Head on over to doubleyourfreelancing.com slash podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, check out Diana's book, cashflowforfreelancers.com. It's a great book. I had a chance recently to dig into it and take a look. And if you haven't yet left a review, I would love that. I just got a review today from Mike Smith. Thank you, Mike, for the review. Like I think I mentioned before, I've got this little service that emails me anytime a new iTunes review is posted. So you will pop into my inbox and I will get to see what you have to say about the podcast if you leave a review. So we'll be back next time for another exciting episode of the Double Your Freelancing Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Double Your Freelancing Podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit doubleyourfreelancing.com. We'll catch you next time.